Looking to catch up on the latest Star Wars books? Featuring sound effects and music directly from the movies, Star Wars audiobooks are the definitive listening experience. Try a Star Wars story you can only experience on audio with a brand new Star Wars audiobook original, Dr. Aphra by Sarah Kuhn. Read by an all-star cast, including Mark Thompson, Catherine Tabor, Jonathan Davis, and more. Dr. Aphra is on sale July 21st, wherever audiobooks are sold. Pre-order now. This is Andy Gutierrez from StarWars.com, and you are listening to Coffee with Kenobi with Dan Z. This is the podcast you're looking for. This is Ashley Eckstein, Ahsoka Tano from Star Wars The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Coffee with Kenobi with Dan Z. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Coffee with Kenobi, show number 350. Can you believe it? 350 episodes of Coffee with Kenobi, and it doesn't happen about this wonderful Star Wars community that I am proud and privileged to be a part of. We are, of course, your spoiler-free place for Star Wars discussion, analysis, and rhetoric. I'm your host, Dan Z, drinking One Nation coffee out of my Boba's Beans coffee mug I got at Celebration Chicago. Excited and thrilled to have another Star Wars conversation with each and every one of you. On today's show, Scott Murray and Tom Gross stop in and we talk about and reflect on six months of The Rise of Skywalker. It's been six months since the final film in the Skywalker saga appeared in theaters. And we talk about that film, our immediate reaction to it and how it has aged for us and get some really serious kind of conversations about what we think about this film and I think it's a conversation that I will look forward to hearing your feedback on and seeing what you think how this film and all the Star Wars films have aged for you I think that is the mark of a true classic how the films always seem timeless for us so pull up a chair grab your favorite coffee mug and let's have some coffee with Kenobi Who talks first? You talk first. I talk first. Joining me today for a cup of coffee on our 350th show are two longtime friends. First, let's bring in our CWK newsman, Tom Gross. Well, hello. It's good to be here. And Dan, good to be talking to you on the show. So thanks for having me on tonight. You bet, man. I guess it's been sort of a while since you've been on the show proper. Of course, you're on Pour Over with me and Corey every week. But this yeah. is kind of crazy. Summer yeah, has kind of gotten a... Taking on a life of its own. Oh my goodness, it sure has. So yeah, so it has been a while. So I've dusted off the desk and ready to talk Star Wars. Excellent. Well, also joining us on the program today is longtime friend of the show and, and one of my uh, podcasting inspirations, the host and producer of the brand new podcast for the nerd, Mr. Scott Murray. And I would like to say a Obi-Wan Kenobi hello there. To you and everybody listening. Perfect. I love it. I still, whenever you uh, text me or we we chat with each other, I'm reminded of a uh, time years and years ago when I was listening to one of your older shows, and it was you and Jeff McGee, and you guys were talking, yep. I think, about Ghostbusters or Back to the Future, and I thought, these guys are great. <laughs> and, you know, fast forward years later, and now we're uh, we've a uh, longtime friends, hung out at celebrations yeah. together, been on each other's yes. programs, so it's great. It's always good to be here, and it's been so exciting to watch uh, all the great things that have happened with you and your show over the years since that day 
so many uh, years ago. And yeah, we're all, I'm still talking 80s with Jeff and happy to still be talking Star Wars with you. Oh, here, here, brother, here, here. Well, uh, today's show is going to be a fun show because this is actually inspired by something I did on looking at Lucasfilm with my other podcast I do with Jim Hill. And then uh, Podcast Stardust, Jay and Dennis's podcast, it talked about it's been six months since The Rise of Skywalker came out. And that really kind of hit me. Uh, Scott, we'll just start with you. What do you think about the fact it's come out six months ago? Is that weird? It is because that's back when it wasn't scary to go to a movie theater. Uh, <laughs> in fact, it might have been one of the last times I went uh, to a movie theater. Um, yeah, it really it does seem like it was um, a lot longer ago. Uh, and maybe it's because there's just been so much new stuff to talk about in the Star Wars space over the last six months. It just makes it feel like it was that much, uh, that much long ago, that much further away. Um, and I, you know, I think in a lot of ways Disney does a really good job of that. They tell you what to get excited about when, and then, you know, they let you, you know, kind of immerse yourself in that for a while and they go, Hey, well, glad you like that. How about this? And then everything before that seems like it was a long time ago. That's true. And that is true. They, I mean, they, they certainly know how to kind of disseminate the product and, and get the corporate wheels spinning and, and get our, get us excited about things. Tom, what about you? Six months ago, we were in a movie theater or watching The Rise of Skywalker together. Yeah, that's that's incredible. The, the minute you said that, because um, it, it, it was not on my radar as something that um, would have been that time frame. Yeah, the minute you said that, I thought back to the night the night we saw that, and I remember coming home and my wife was uh, watching the news or something, I don't know, in, in the bedroom. And I walked in and I just sort of stood in the doorway and she's like, let me guess, it was amazing. And I was like, it was like beyond amazing. And it just was really making me think. And so now I'm kind of like time traveling back to that moment of how much how much processing I had to do um, with that. And it it's in a way it seems like just yesterday, but when you think about our world and the things that have happened and clone wars wrapping up and everything else in between, it seems like, gosh, it seems almost timeless at how far away that was. And uh, wow, that's amazing. And yeah, I guess my initial reaction is how much processing I've done over these last six months regarding the rise of Skywalker and what it means for the entire saga. So you both brought up something that is is certainly very accurate. It's like the pandemic every month is actually feels uh, a month longer than it actually is. So maybe this is why the rise of Skywalker feels like it came out six, not six months ago, but an entire year ago, even though that is not the case. But of course the world kind of slowed down and sped up simultaneously with this pandemic. And then they Disney released the rise of Skywalker earlier uh, available digitally mm-hmm. and then released it on on Disney Plus a lot sooner than they were going to. So we had access to it right away. So we'll talk about that. But before we do, Scott, go back to the first time you saw The Rise of Skywalker and just focus on that day alone. We'll talk about how you feel about it now in the next portion. But right now, just tell me how you felt the first time you saw it. After it was done? Yes, Um, I think, well, what was interesting about going in was I am not a fan of the last Jedi. I was going to say you, you, uh, you quietly said that a time or two. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, and so this was kind of my first time where my anticipation wasn't the same. Um, and especially since we went from, you know, JJ to Ryan back to JJ, I'm like, okay, what's going to happen here? Um, the, the best thing I could say about, uh, my initial reaction after it was over was I did enjoy it more. And I thought considering everything that had to be done here, it was a reasonable, um, fitting into it all with what JJ was going to have to do. Uh, very, an excellent answer. Tom, what about you? Hmm, that's a great question. I, well, I think initially, you know, I, I don't know. I went into the film thinking, you know, knowing obviously that it's, it's the conclusion to the series and to the saga and all of that. But I think when I walked away from that, like I said earlier, you know, it, it left me with lots of process. And I think my initial reaction to it was, and I've talked about this numerous times, and I still think about it often, and that is, that was the horror aspect of it um, really sort of left me dumbfounded. Um, I mean, from the beginning to the end, any, anything that happened on Exegol was just so horror, horror and horror feeling. Um, but, you know, I, I didn't really think too much in now in reflection of that night. I didn't think too much about it as a part of a, a nine piece puzzle. I really thought of it as, and I, and I think most of, I, at least the force awakens rogue one solo last Jedi and rise of Skywalker. I've always initially looked at them as individual films and how did that individual film entertain me? And then it was later, and I know we're going to talk about that, but it's later that I, I sort of, how does this fit? How do, I, how do I process this as a whole story? And so that night, I, mean, I just remember being thoroughly entertained, thoroughly uh, um, wowed and amazed at, um, at what I had seen. It was certainly a visual spectacle. Um, it, I, I seem to remember talking about that night how it was, it had met my expectations of what I was expecting action wise. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, 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 I remember being very pleased with the film and I still am today. I, I'm definitely not disappointed. Um, but yeah, I think those were my, my feelings that night, uh, as we sort of broke it down. So I'm going to try to focus on the night that I saw it with you guys. Uh, the the Peoria Riverfront Museum where we hit there the yeah. where they had the the global premiere. I'm not. I mean, I won't really focus on seeing it at the premiere because that's that's different. I mean, sure. I, what I will say is that when the movie was over, I mean, I was certainly speechless in the last ten minutes or so. I thought were really breathtaking, and my wife and I were just kind of in a daze about the whole thing and and just kind of weird. But I never felt like when I when I saw the, the Return of the Jedi. I thought it was over and I was just disappointed that it was over hmm. and that I wasn't going to get to see Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker and Han Solo and, and Princess Leia again. But then when Revenge of the Sith was over, I remember thinking that is so satisfying. That is absolutely perfect. That's the last Star Wars movie I'm ever going to see. Well, as it turns out, ladies and gentlemen, that's not true. We got at least five more movies so far. So when this one was over, I thought, okay, it's over for now. It's over today. And then I just kind of walked out and uh, I remember it, 
it stuck with me, but it didn't really stick with me the, the way I always imagined the end of nine Skywalker films would. But I was at peace with it. I wasn't, I certainly wasn't disappointed. Uh, and then when I saw it with you guys, I liked what I liked so much about it was the euphoria of, of looking up in the, in the theater and seeing my family and so many of my very close friends and my brother and my mother there and my niece and my kids and my wife and just thinking star Wars brings people together. I saw people standing by the movie poster, taking pictures by the movie poster, which you, which I've said before, you'll, you, I can't imagine you'll see that when anyone else goes to any kind of movie, you don't take pictures by a movie poster typically, but Mm. star Wars brings out on people. Now the fact that it came out during Christmas time, certainly enhances those, those good natured feelings that we have. But, uh, so I'll just kind of leave it at that. But, but now the time has passed, Scott, uh, first of all, how many times did you see it in the theater and have you seen it since it's been out for public consumption, like home video and things like that? I've seen it once in the theater and once on Disney plus. Wow. So have, have your feelings modified or changed in any way since, since you saw it the first time? Um, I, I kind of look back at the whole the whole thing, and you know, I, I tried. I struggle with things, um, but as a fan, I try to make excuses for them <laughs> at times. Um, you know, like I, I look at the fact that when they decided they were going to do a seven, eight, nine, that was going to be a mon- monumental task in of itself to pull that off, and then of course the devastating loss of, of Carrie Fisher didn't make that any easier, um, but. I, I I think it was really challenging, as I mentioned before, to go with JJ, then Ryan, and then JJ again. Um, I I think that it, it just felt to me like JJ had an idea, Ryan did his own thing, and then JJ tried to do his own thing again and tweak things that maybe fans didn't like about the middle one and maybe that he didn't want to do, and at the same time wrap everything up. Um, and there were things that I liked about through all that, but what makes it hard for me at times is how much I really loved, uh, force awakens. And I just felt like, um, after that, it just kind of went completely different direction. And then we tried to tie things, um, back up into that seven again at the end. Um, so, I mean, from that standpoint, I'm, you know, I'm kind of disappointed when I look back on it. I also am. I also wonder if it would necessarily kill off as many people as we did from the original trilogy. Um, and I, I think I, I hate to be so negative, but that's just where I am. Um, it doesn't, you know, I'm not saying they ruined my childhood or anything extremist. I'm, that's just how I kind of uh, step back and look at the whole thing. Cause that's really what nine was supposed to do was end this entire series that all started with, you know, um, a new hope when I was a, when I was a kid. So, um, you know, I did, I did enjoy watching it a second time. I did find myself frustrated with similar things, but there were things I enjoyed about it. Um, so I just look back at, at something that maybe wasn't executed as good as it could have been. But at the end of the day, it is the story. It is Canon. And I'm not one of those people that's running around telling them they need to blow it up and start all over or, you know, something like that. I mean, that's just kind of where I am with it. I I don't say I despise the sequel trilogy or anything extreme. Um, I just, you know, I just wish we could have gotten, at least for me, 
I wish I could have gotten a lot more from eight and nine that I got out of seven because I went in seven, you know, really wondering what all that was going to look like. You know, like I said, I, I recognize this whole thing as, as a huge thing to try to pull off all these years later. And I just loved everything about seven. I loved the new characters and, and how they were tying everything together. Um, so I just wish I would have had that feeling all the way through. But, you know, I still fully acknowledge it as the story they told, and that's that's what it is. That's You know what? I really appreciate your honesty. Tom, do you have a follow on that? I do. Because um, yeah. <clears throat> I feel like my – some of some of my reaction to to it all kind of stems from Scott what you're saying about having you know JJ then Ryan then uh, JJ uh, I think and just this is how I feel about it and by the way I, I saw Rise of Skywalker twice in the theater and uh, both in the exact same theater uh, Dan at the Riverfront Museum um, and I have not seen it since um, and I I can talk a little bit about why why that is but. Uh, but to address my feelings now about the rise of Skywalker and, and sort of the whole story is I, I felt like, I felt like each one of the movies as an individual piece of, of art or as a work were magnificent. I loved, I loved all three of them in very different ways and for very different reasons. Um, you know, force awakens just, it was so heartwarming to have the story back. It was so heartwarming to share it with my, my daughter and my family. Um, it was, and I thought it was, it was a great story and it's great to see our heroes back with these new characters and, and, you know, and absolutely adore and love Ray as a character and Daisy as an actress playing Ray and Finn. And I mean, just the whole new cast is, is, is phenomenal. <clears throat> but then that, but then, but, in, uh, it, uh, added to that, I look at the rise of or uh, the um, the Last Jedi, and I think that's masterful. And Dan, I know that's one of your favorites, and I can I can easily see why. Um, I think there's some magnificent pieces to that. In fact, the only part of the Last Jedi that I really don't like is the Canto Bite piece um, that that just didn't really work for me. Um, but you know, I don't, but as a, as a whole film, I can kind of overlook, I can look past that. Um, and then the sky rise of Skywalker again, I, I, I found it to be wildly entertaining. Um, I loved so many parts of it. It surprised me. It shocked me. The rise of Skywalker kept me on the edge of my seat. Both times I saw it, my wife at one point when she's the one who went with me the second time we went on new year's Eve and she said, are you going to sit? Are you gonna sit the back? And I'm like, I can't. <laughs> I can't. And it took me about 30, 40 minutes before I finally slid back in the seat and I said, I think I can settle down now. <laughs> and I just I found it to be wildly exciting. With all of that said, I struggle with and and a lot of this comes from Dan listening to you and uh, you know, a lots of other people and reading lots of just analysis of the story. Um, seeing them all coming together as a linear story, I struggle with some of that. And Scott, you were addressing this with, you know, JJ had his vision with Force Awakens and then Ryan Johnson had, you know, had kind of his own ideas and then JJ had to bring it back to, I, I, I really felt that um, 
when I go back and I think about how those stories all fit together and some of the plot lines um, and how some things were addressed or not addressed. And so, you know, it, it's, it's a difficult call to make. And I, I don't know what the, what the reason was for going multiple or not multiple, but going two directors and, and Dan, maybe you have a little more insight or Scott, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure people have insight on it uh, that, that I'm not aware of, but it, it just didn't, it, in hindsight, it didn't, it doesn't make sense to me when, when it, we were in the midst of it, I didn't question it at all. Cause I just, they make such great decisions and choices and they always seem to have, you know, the best. And so I didn't question it then, but, but in hindsight, I kind of look at it and I think, Maybe it would have been better to stick with with one director for something so important. So yeah, gosh, a lot a lot of things to say. In that one thing, the director thing. I mean, these movies take two to three years. So if you commit to three movies, you're basically saying nine nine years to ten yeah. years of my life are f- focusing purely on Star Wars. And someone like J.J. Abrams, that's a pretty big ask. Oh. So I'm going to assume, and I don't know this for for because we've chatted about, it, although I have met him is that, that that's probably a factor. Okay. Uh, is, so I saw the film four times in the theater. I saw it the premiere. I saw the opening night. Uh, then I saw it the day after that. So I saw it three times and then I waited about a week and then I took Mason, just the two of us went and saw it again during Christmas break. And I have not seen it since the, the main reason, honestly, is because the movie is scary for Mason. The Pal- you mentioned the horror element. Palpatine is frightening in this one. So we just haven't watched it. We've certainly watched the other movies plenty of times. As far as how it has stuck with me, I mean, I've certainly made no secret about it on here, on looking at Lucasfilm, on CWK Prover. That is my least favorite of all the Star Wars films. Uh, and because, not because of what happens in the story, but how the story is told structurally, it doesn't work for me, and part of that is my pedantic English teacher hat that I wear during the day. Uh, but I, I never feel like I would have said that about the other the other Star Wars films. I haven't. And there are certain elements that I absolutely adore. I think Ben Solo is phenomenal. I think Ray, the, the ending with Ray and what she does and her yellow lightsaber is, is glorious. It was great to see Mark Hamill back. The, the Harrison Ford surprise was absolutely out of this world. Fantastic. And there's just a lot of stuff that I really liked about it. I felt like from a character perspective, all of the, the leads were very, were flat, were stagnant. Hmm. And they forced in this arc of Ray feeling this pull to the dark side, which is really not evident in the first two movies by any stretch of the imagination. And that bothers me. I feel like it, it took Ray a step backwards. I think Ray is a much, much better character than she was allowed to, to breathe in the rise of Skywalker. That being said, there were still elements that I thought worked, but overall, and I thought Finn didn't really have an arc at all. I thought mm-hmm. they just sort of forgot about him. And I thought that was unfortunate because he's a tremendous character. And obviously John Boyega is one heck of an actor. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Poe felt like, I don't know who that guy was. It wasn't the, yeah. the, the pilot from the force awakens or the last Jedi. And it certainly wasn't the character from Rebecca Rowan Horse's novel, uh, Resistance Reborn. And I'm still not 100% convinced that Ray as a Palpatine is the way to go. In fact, 
that doesn't work for me structurally through her arc in episodes seven and eight leading into nine at all. It just doesn't seem to fit with what we've learned about her throughout the story. That's just my opinion, though. So those are the things that kind of rankled me. I thought Ben Solo was the most developed, which was welcome. And as much as I've always liked the design of Kylo Ren and thought it was exquisite, in fact, his lightsaber hilt might be my favorite lightsaber hilt of all of the lightsabers, which is saying something because I'm a big lightsaber aficionado. Mm -hmm. I felt that he was the most appealing in this one and the most interesting. The MacGuffin, eh, it was okay. And, And I feel like the Palpatine to come back, I didn't want a clone that was in, imbibed with the essence of the original Sheev Palpatine. I, I wanted something different, but mm-hmm. like Scott said, I don't need it to be everything I wanted or everything I, I, I hope for. And it's unrealistic. You know, you can't please all the Star Wars fans. That's impossible. Nor should you try to. Mm-hmm. And that's why, and Scott, you mentioned, uh, so if I, I want to, I make sure I don't misquote you. But did you say you thought that J.J. maybe changed some things based on fan reactions? Well, I mean, that's been the narrative, you know, is, yeah. you know, yeah. they decided to, when he decided to have Luke say I was wrong. And, and of course, Ray, you know, her parents weren't nobody's. Now suddenly she's, you know, got Palpatine blood in her and things like that. Um, so, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't go out of my way to you know, push that, those sort of things. It's just for, you know, it, it maybe fits a little bit of what I'm saying, but I mean, I'm also speculating in a lot of ways. I'm just saying how it felt to me. It felt to me that, you know, as we just said that, you know, JJ had his own vision, but I also think JJ also said, I don't want to do eight. And then I think after the script was written for eight, he said, okay, well maybe I, you know, I kind of wish I would (laughs) have. And I don't know if that's because he says, Hey, this is way different from what I was doing. I don't know. Uh, And then of course he came back and, and, and did nine. Um, So, I mean, I can see why people would say that because it did feel like nine was trying to fix some of the biggest complaints about eight, including some of mine. Um, But I, I didn't go into the theater saying, you know, I hope you fix those things. Um, As a, Skywalker person though I I I will say out of probably all of them I did I did like the fact that they had him say he was wrong because I I didn't think that that didn't feel like Luke to me in 8 and you know I get the impression that Mark had similar feelings so but you know again that's the route just like he said that's the route they went that's the route he had to go and you know um so at least as a Skywalker fan um, I liked hearing him say that because in a way that K- kind of gave me as a fan, the best of both worlds. But am I going to say JJ did that because that's what people like me wanted? I don't know. <laughs> At the end of the day, that's what happened. And I was glad it happened. Right. Well, that's great. No, I I'm really glad that we all seem to have similar, but different perspectives, which is awesome. And I, and I really appreciate that. I've always said the, the the differences that we have are wonderful because we then can learn from each other about why things work in our brains the way that they do and it helps us see the uh these films or these stories in different perspectives which i yeah this really, would be really a like. very boring conversation if we all felt exactly <laughs> yes you know it's well i remember one thing that one thing that uh, really sticks in my mind Corey talked about how you wish the reveal of palpatine would have been like in the last jedi Mm-hmm. That that there wasn't really any any as far as like story goes, there was no there was no benefit to having it 
saved for the last movie that it could have been sort of a, you know, a teaser, like, you know, no, I am your father moment in empire. You could have done something like that in the last Jedi. And I've thought about that a lot. And, and I think that it's, if you recall at the end of the last Jedi, and I think Corey felt the same way too, the end of the last Jedi, I sort of had this attitude of, I don't know what I'm looking forward to. Like I, I wasn't super excited about what's coming next in the in the final movie because I felt I felt so much was addressed in the Last Jedi, and there wasn't any sort of heavy cliffhanger that that was making me compelling me to want to be excited for two years for the final movie, hmm. and so and so I think that that that's a missing piece of of that you know. Wow, that 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 something that's holding me on the edge that I can't wait to get in the theater to see the Rise of Skywalker. Now, obviously, as we got closer to the Rise of Skywalker and we were at celebration and we got the tra- you know the trailer and the conversations and all that, and we got the reveal of the Emperor, you know, Ian in Ian shows up on the stage and all that. Of course, it then it started building, but but. I do agree with why, why wasn't that somewhere there, there would have been a perfect opportunity for that in the last Jedi. And that's just one little piece. So I don't want to say it ruined it, but certainly it makes me think about storytelling a little bit more. And, yeah. and again, it, it doesn't ruin star Wars for me. It just makes me a better viewer and a better, a better thinker about how do stories work? Yeah. And to that point, I saw someone talk about that very thing. And I think, when you talk about that lead up of something to look forward to this, this makes uh, an analogy I read even better. They said they should have probably, if they really wanted to do the Palpatine thing, which really does seem like that was totally a last minute JJ idea, because I don't think duel of fates that script. I don't think that script had Palpatine in it at all. Um, so somebody said, well, what if they had taken this, if this was going to be the close from the get go, why not do it like, the way Marvel handled Thanos, you know, he's just kind of here and there. And then you talk about looking forward to something at the end. I mean, when infinity war came up and we knew that Thanos was coming to town, we were like, Oh yeah. (laughs) Wait till this guy shows up. Um, So what you you better watch out. You better not cry. Yeah. Yeah, Right. (laughs) So with you saying, you know, uh, kind of talking about that discussion about, you know, having it in the last Jedi and something to look forward to that analogy to me makes even more sense um, because that's exactly what Marvel did with Thanos. I mean, he is, he is the most powerful thing in the universe or being in the universe and capable of doing a lot of really bad things through the snap of a finger. Um, And we're all waiting for it. We know he's coming at some point. And then once they said infinity war, we knew that's what was coming. And I mean, the anticipation couldn't have been higher and it didn't take anything away. Even in that trailer, when Thanos steps out of that portal for the first time, I mean, you know, even though we knew he was coming, that was still just a an amazing moment, uh, both in the trailer and in the uh, film. And I think it was also problematic for Disney, too, because I think a lot of people walked out of the theater wondering exactly how this even happened. Um, I mean, because they don't really talk much about it, even in Rise of Skywalker. And then they, it, it, I almost feel like they said, OK, well, the only way to fix that is we need to put all the information in a book, which not everybody who goes to the movie is going to read. So it it was it seemed pretty problematic from the get go. But uh, to your point, if they'd figured out a way 
early on to incorporate him and have him kind of linger around waiting for his key moment. Maybe that's what we could have gotten had that been the plan from the start. To me, Palpatine is someone that if he's going to be in, you know, go big or go home and he should be larger in life. And he was, but the spirit, the soul of him was not there. I mean, I, I mean, it was technically as far as the fact that somehow Palpatine, who's been obsessed with the, with prolonging his life, that part makes sense. But like you both said, uh, if they had handled the way they Marvel handled Thanos, that would have been stronger. But I, I have heard, and I'm sure you both have, I've heard both JJ and Kathleen Kennedy say, Palpatine was always the end game from the creation of the force awakens, like through Lawrence Kasdan and JJ Abrams. That was supposedly always the idea from day one, that at least that's what they've said, you know? So we, we don't know for sure, but that's what they've said. And we have no reason to think they wouldn't sell. So otherwise I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure how that works for me personally. I thought that we learned to invest in Kylo Ren and I thought it was going to be all about Kylo Ren I didn't think that you could be able to create a scenario where I would be okay with him being redeemed because I didn't think he was redeemable, but they actually pulled that aspect off, which I think is a master stroke because I think that was not an easy thing to do. Of course, visually it was stunning. Of course, Billy Dean Williams was, was great. Mm -hmm. And you know, when, when I, when I suggested this topic to you guys and we started the show, it wasn't my intention to be, to look at it from this perspective, but I'm really glad that we did. I'm very glad that we did because I think, as I've said many times, critical thinking and intellectual honesty are the real gateway to to honest conversation about things. So there are certainly aspects that worked, and there are also aspects that did not work. If you were, if I said, please rank the sequel trilogy from your favorite to your least, Scott, how would you do that? Seven, nine, and eight. Seven, nine, and eight. And am I right that the 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 chasm there's a chasm between nine and eight for you? Oh yes. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you say that. I was about to say at a distant third, <laughs> but I just thought I'd keep it simple. But yes, if 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 asked, yes, and I would rather watch the two of them instead of eight. Yeah, and I think Corey. I feel like Corey might be in a similar boat. I'm not sure, but Tom, what, how would you rank them? Well, I'm. You know, if I were to rank them. It would it would be kind of and I learned this from you, Dan, because you you pulled this on our on our rankings of uh, of the entire saga. Mm-hmm. Um, I would go one one A one B. That's how close they would all be. Oh, that's good. And and I I would put them just in the order that they came one or seven eight nine. Oh, I'm glad. I I they they you know I I, I guess as a as a fan I was hoping that nine would be the first one I'd say, but it's okay. You know, it's all right. I'm good with seven, eight, nine. And it just, you know, seven, just as I mentioned earlier, it, you know, it has so many emotional things for me. It's the return of Star Wars, you know, for so many years. And then, and, and just being able to like this, this was the, and I, I remember sitting down with my daughter to watch it. And I said, I said, we're going to watch a brand new Star Wars story together for the first time. Everything else I've seen before you, this is going to be your story and and that just that that still sticks with me and and i think she feels the same way and so uh but yeah seven eight nine is how i would rank those i love it and mine of course would be eight seven uh and then much much farther down the the well of imagination would be would be nine (laughs) the well of imagination (laughs) (laughs) you know i have to say i i uh 
I, I mentioned earlier how I, I had yet to see this on the small screen. And I, I do that. I did that with The Last Jedi as well. I, did, I waited a long time before I watched it on the small screen off of uh, Disney+. And I just felt like, I feel like I want to have the memory of seeing it on the big screen. Because I just, you know, I, I was seven years old when I first saw Star Wars. Now, Re- Empire and Return of the Jedi, I have very vivid memories of going to the theater on those. And so, but, but, but A New Hope, I do not. I remember sitting in the theater. I remember who I was with. I remember the conversations I had. And I remember like snapshots, but I don't remember the experience necessarily. And so I, I, and so I always want to hold on to that. I think sometimes we're so quick to get to the, where I can pause, stop, pause, stop, or play, stop, play, stop, play, stop, and analyze frame by frame the movie on the small screen that I, I don't, I want, I want to hold back on that resistance. But I feel like this conversation, and this was totally out of the blue, this conversation has made me now desire to go back and now watch it again on the small screen and, and really sort of process the things that, that I've been processing over the last six months. But now taking our conversation here with the two of you and, and watching it with the new lens. That's wonderful. I mean, and I do want to see it again. I want to, I want to see it soon. And of course on our Facebook live show every Monday night at eight o'clock PM central standard time, we've been doing a book study, the novelization and Ray Carson does a really nice job of fleshing out some things and, and connecting some dots and, and putting some things to light, particularly with, Ray and the force, which is always very interesting to me. So I think there's a lot more we could certainly say about this. Again, I certainly hope uh, and appreciate everyone's honesty and their opinions on it. We're, we're certainly not uh, downplaying any of these things. We love them. I mean, Star Wars films, as I've said, are like pizza. Even when they're not great, they're better than anything else. Well, and to your point about the reaction of seeing them in the theater, I mean, despite you know, a lot of the things that I didn't like about episode eight and my uncertainty about episode nine, it didn't change anything when it came to sitting in that theater and episode nine starts with the Lucasfilm logo, John Williams themes and the yellow letters going space. I had the exact same reaction uh, emotionally to that as I have every time I've gone to one in the theater. Yes. That's wonderful. That's, and that's great. I think that's, that's really, awesome. Really- yeah, I love that. So let's go ahead and take a really, really quick break. When we come back, I'm going to ask these guys a couple of questions about what's going on in the world of Star Wars. This is Coffee with Kenobi. This is Vanessa Marshall, and you're listening to Coffee with Kenobi. Looking to catch up on the latest Star Wars books but can't find the time? Try listening to them on audio. Featuring sound effects, top-notch narrators, and music directly from the movies, Star Wars audiobooks are the definitive listening experience. Jump into the cockpit of your favorite starfighter in the brand new Shadowfall by Alexander Freed, the thrilling sequel to Alphabet Squadron. And don't forget to try Star Wars Queen's Peril by E.K. Johnston, read by the Clone Wars star Catherine Tabor. And if you like the audio original Dooku Jedi Lost, keep an eye out for Dr. Aphra, a brand new audio drama read by an all-star cast, including Mark Thompson, Catherine Tabor, Jonathan Davis, and more. Dr. Afra is on sale July 21st. Pre-order now. Visit penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash Star Wars to listen to clips and find your next listen 
or buy now wherever audiobooks are sold. A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online so any small business can drive change or build an empire. We need a new generation of thinking, your way of thinking. Start different at GoDaddy.com. A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online so any small business can drive change or build an empire. Because old ideas aren't cutting it anymore. This new year, we need a new generation of thinking, your way of thinking. So whatever you have in mind that will help make a different future, find everything you need to get started at GoDaddy.com. Because the future isn't decided yet. It's still ours to win. Start different at GoDaddy.com. MEI and Mouse Fan Travel is your one-stop shop for your vacation needs and your plans to Walt Disney World, Disneyland, or the cruise lines. Travel looks much different now than it did a couple of months ago. And with the opening of Walt Disney World and soon, hopefully, the opening of Disneyland, you need a place to go where you can trust and they will help you figure out and navigate all the different circumstances and guidelines that Disney has put out for you. And I can say that we had our vacation modified and as soon as dates were announced, MEI contacted me directly to help me reschedule, which is exactly what I was hoping to do. So if you are interested in rescheduling your vacation or want to try to plan a Walt Disney World Disneyland vacation or anywhere else you want to go on the planet, be sure to contact MEI and Miles Fan Travel at www.coffeewithkenobi.com slash Travel. Their signature service and expert advice will help you maximize your vacation time and dollar, and they will help you figure out all the different changes and modifications going on at the Disney theme parks. They are amazing, and I can tell you, honestly, from the bottom of my heart, the peace of mind that Becky Mencken and the crew at MEI and Miles Fan Travel have given me is invaluable. If you're interested at all, again, go to www coffeewithkenobi.com slash mousefantravel. We are back, and normally this is when um, when Tom is on, he puts on his Jimmy Olsen hat <laughs> and shares the Star Wars news, but I gave him the night off. And you've been honestly, you know, people said where where's the news? Well you've been you've been really busy. You've been you've been back, you know Yeah. With lots of stuff going on, you're teaching a cycling class. You're doing a lot of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we took on a summer job this year and or this summer and cycling class. And the girls are back full fledged gymnastics. So it's it's been a it's. Let me tell you, I you know I I, I know before before we went on quarantine and the pandemic hit, I, I knew I had a busy life, but it's not until you have those two two and a half months of almost nothing. That you realize, holy smokes! How did I do that? Mm-hmm. So I'm st- I've, sp- I've spent the entire summer sort of inching it back, and it's a struggle. But but I'm glad to be back here tonight. That is for sure. So, guys, uh, speaking of seeing things through a through a different lens, uh, obviously the pandemic <laughs> is in that, but so has this brand new launch that came out at the time of this recording from DIFF. They have an, a Star Wars eyewear launch that debuted on StarWars.com. And we've got Darth Vader, Princess Leia, R2-D2, C-3PO, Boba Fett. Uh, yeah, those those we've got different lenses. They've got them as where you can put your prescription in, and they also have them as sunglasses. What do you guys think? It's fun. I'm looking. So the ones I'm looking at here are the R2-D2 ones. Um, so you get a you get a kind of triangular box 
that has the markings of R2-D2. Then, of course, there's the space scene, the hyperspace scene of, of um, that has the, the like, lens wipe uh, cloth. And then I'm looking at the glasses, and they're tinted blue. Is that a? It looks like it has a tinted blue, but it's white framed. But look at the earpiece on the R two D two. It's mm-hmm. it's his leg markings, I believe. Yep, that's true. on the earpiece. I, I, that's kind of fun. That's <laughs> it's a very Nietzsche. Uh, uh, Nietzsche, you mean? Or are we talking Nietzsche, about Nietzsche? Nietzsche? No, yeah, no, yeah, yeah Nietzsche. Okay. It's it's. I mean, it's it's definitely a, a very unique product. And it's kind of cool. I don't know that any of these would look good on me necessarily. Well, don't say yourself I, short. But I, I certainly think they're they're f- kind of fun. The more I'm looking at them, they're kind of fun to to scroll back and forth. So Scott has more t-shirts than t-shirts.com. <laughs> and so, wow. So I am looking, and this is uh, what do you think, man? How many pairs of, of Star Wars sunglasses <laughs> are we going to have? Well, to your point, my wife has said for years that I am a marketer's dream because I'm, such, <laughs> I'm so into things that can be branded. And it's like, oh, that has Star Wars on it. Well, I need that. Um, and but I will say there is sometimes a, um, there's sometimes uh, things involved in these type of products that have to fit kind of a list of criteria. Um, in my case, for something like this, like the first thing that stands out for me is, is they've got this one that has the rebel insignia on the side. Cause I am rebel through and through. So I, yes. I'm always drawn to rebel things. Um, now the difference is the only person likely that's going to know that these are rebel sunglasses are, are me. Um, and that's fine. Assuming like, like Tom said, assuming these even look good on me, um, that, that might be a little bit of a challenge because I I like to find things because I like sporting the the, the nerd stuff that I'm that I love. So it's you know, my wife will tell you you know when it comes to t-shirts and stuff, it is not uncommon for me to be wearing a t-shirt in public and it strikes up a conversation. And that's the kind of things that I like. Um, you know that that they strike up conversation among people who uh, also have similar uh, fandoms. Um, so I'm not sure the sunglasses are going to do that just because the things that they're doing here are so subtle and not yes. that that's a problem. Um, cause I have owned a pair of rebel sunglasses that were a lot louder. They broke, but <laughs> they, they were a little bit louder. Um, so this would have to be something that, you know, you just kind of love, um, because first off you like the, like the sunglasses and you like the fact that there is an element of your fandom in it. It would be a lot more for kind of your own personal, um, pride than than showing everybody you're a Star Wars fan through the through the sunglasses. Did you see yeah, the Boba Fett one has um, yes. the nose pieces? Boba I'm, Fett's helmet, yeah, That's pretty slick. I was totally just looking at that one. <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> it really is. It really is. I I like those Darth Vader ones quite a bit. They they have the least. I like to wear things that I know, like you had said, Scott. They're 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 fun to strike up conversations. But there's also a part of me some of the stuff that I have, I like it to be more subtle. I just like the idea of sort of having it kind of under the radar. Like I know I've got this cool star Wars thing. It kind of gives me a little bit more of a spring in my step, but it would be kind of fun if there was like, it had a little bit more Darth Vader's uh, helmet somewhere in the, I don't know. Pretty fun well, though. Kind of, I'm kind of a cool noticing, thing. I'm noticing that the C-3PO does the same thing on the nose piece. Yes. C-3PO's. Uh, so are they all like that? Like does Darth Vader have that? 
I'm trying to tell. If you go to the actual website itself, there's this. Uh, it has this wonderful like display case that is really really striking. I encourage you to go to the to the uh, actual site itself. They've got some great stuff there. Really really do. Yeah. Really fun. Those are yeah. fun. That's cool. Yeah, I, I thought you guys would get a kick out of that. Uh, what do you both think about the fact that Comic Con is going to go virtual this year? There have been a lot of announcements about different panels and things. Nothing Star Wars related, as of, at least at the time of this recording. But the uh, they've got quite a bit going on, including a conversation with Nathan Fillion. And mm-hmm. uh, they're still going to be doing things like Funko's going to have some exclusive stuff. There's a lot of things that are still going to be offered. Yeah. Um, I haven't had a chance to look at the rundown. I mean, I'm kind of glad they're doing something. Um, you can just tell in some ways that, you know, it's obviously not, you know, obviously out, out of the obvious things. It's not the spectacle it normally is. And I think some of the panels are kind of showing that. I don't know that there's a whole lot of really big things that are going to come out of it, but it's not going to be irrelevant or not worth checking out either. So I was pretty excited to find out that they're going to have a red dwarf <laughs> panel on this thing. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to find, I'd, I would definitely like to watch that. Um, and I like the fact that they're still going to have, they're still going to have exclusives. In fact, um, on uh, my new show for the nerd, um, I'm bringing in um, someone to talk about all the different exclusives that are uh, going to be available um, in the virtual Comic-Con. And that's going to run, I think, the same episode that you're on, Dan. It's like right before that whole thing starts. So it'll be Perfect. very timely. Um, I haven't had a chance to even... I'm looking forward to that because I haven't even had a chance to see everything that... All the exclusives. I did see... Um, gosh, what was it? I, I'm such a fan of Masters of the Universe. There's like a... Yeah. There's like a trap jaw soda can. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, cool. I gotta have... <laughs> <laughs> See, like I said, oh, Masters on the Universe, Masters of the Universe, put on a soda can. Yep, gotta have that. <laughs> and as we all know, nothing quenches your thirst like trap jaw. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, Entertainment has an exclusive uh, Star Wars: The Clone Wars pins with Rex, Asajj mm-hmm. Ventress, and Ahsoka Tano. It was pretty pretty cool for San Diego Comic Con. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. I don't know. I'm. I. I. I don't know. I'm going to say this, I'm not, and I'm not sure that it's really how I feel, but I'm, I'm just a little underwhelmed by it. I, I, th- I think co- I think conventions are so exciting that saying it's going virtual just is kind of like meh. And and I guess I'm saying that because that's how I traditionally would experience a con- you know San Diego Comic Con. Um, you know, I would you know, it would be a total dream to be able to walk into San Diego Comic-Con and walk downtown San Diego. And I know, Dan, when you went, you were talking about how like the whole city embraces this convention and like how excited. And to me, that's just exciting. And so when I read the news and I, I go online to see what's going on, I feel that excitement because it's lot like it's live and it's happening and people are there. And so the fact that it's going virtual is kind of like, Ugh. and we talked about this with celebration. Like, I don't know that I would want celebration to go virtual because part of, part of the excitement of it is the community. And I just don't know that I, I'm, I hope that I'm totally wrong by this, but I just don't feel like a virtual convention is going to have the same 
impact, the same feel and, and, and create the same excitement as, as a real. And I know that, you know, it's, it's compensation because we cannot and not, you know, we can't have the real, but there's almost a part of me that thinks, yeah, maybe, maybe it'd be better for some of these conventions just to say, Hey, we are looking forward to 2021 and gear up and just let it sort of pass. I don't know. I'm, I'm really trying to get excited about, um, I know we're talking about San Diego Comic-Con, but I was supposed to attend Gen Con in Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really trying to gear myself up to attend the virtual of that. And I'm, I'm, guys, I'm so struggling to get excited about it. Like the program Mm -hmm. came out this week and I just, I haven't even felt like looking at it because it's just, it's not, it's not, I don't feel like I'm going to connect with the community. I hope I'm totally wrong. And I hope in, in, in two months I'll be able to say, God, I was all wrong about a virtual convention, but I don't know. I'm just not really feeling it. Although I'm, you know, I am excited about the, uh, of the panels that you're talking about. You know, I think that's cool. I look forward to, to watching those and seeing those. I just am really going to miss sort of the live aspect of it. No, I, I think that's very valid. I, I mean, I'm kind of taking a let's wait and see approach with my initial, Gut feeling is the the joy of a convention is seeing these faces that I talk with online or that I only get to see at conventions or or seeing the things like in person and of course we can't do that now yeah. it would just be a much much different experience so it's it's better than nothing but but I would be just as a piece if it wasn't going to happen if that makes sense yeah it does listening to coffee with Kenobi you are with Danzi the podcast you're looking for this is. <laughs> As we begin to wrap up the show, I want to thank each of you for taking time out of your busy schedule to have a cup of coffee with me and for helping to spread the word about our Star Wars family we've got here at Coffee with Kenobi. Be sure to tune in Monday nights at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live at www.coffeewithkenobi.com slash live or www.facebook.com slash coffeewithkenobi and have a cup of coffee, tea, or any beverage of your choosing with me as we continue the conversation. To join us in the CWK Cafe, which is our Facebook group, and share your Star Wars thoughts, comments, reviews, and opinions in a family-free, spoiler-free place that is also drama-free, go to www.coffeewithkenobi.com community and be a part of the conversation, talk about this week's show, or just talk some Star Wars. It is a lot of fun, and you'll make some new friends as well as catch up with longtime friends as well. I also want to thank all of my new and longtime friends who joined me in the CWK Cantina and let you know how much I appreciate your help and encouragement and love being able to give back to you with CWK Pour Over, the exclusive weekly podcast not heard anywhere else. A big thank you to Smooth Rivera, Dan Caperso, Aaron, Jim Tallman, J.C. Poe, Ed Kimoto, Greg McLaughlin, Robert Avila, Dustin Mills, Yancey Evans, Josh Boylan, Chelsea Sansbury, Connie Chi, Tyler Pampa, Hannah, Alex Procasio, Ian Thompson, David Nicely, Simbot Defterdarian, Christine Turk, Ross Hallibin, Kurt McKellen, Dan Ream, Colby Mead, Alexander Moylan, Frank Mulder, Blake Weaver, Jim Capron, Chris Metz, L.J. Souter, Aaron Harris, Chris Kavarka, Jeff Ellis, Daz Davies, Susan Gray, Thea Selby, Christian Dale, Brian McKinney, Jason Hall, Jared Cantor, Eric Struthers, Mark Suter, Angela Sauce, 
and Dennis Keithley. If you want an additional way to help out the show, go to www.coffeewithkenobi.com support and join us in the Coffee with Kenobi Cantina. It's a great way to support and help out the show, and 10% of your monthly contributions go directly to the St. Jude Children's Hospital to support the incredibly important work they are doing to help these brave children and their families. Plus, contributors at the CWK All-Star level can watch a video podcast of CWK Pour Over hosted by me, Tom Gross, and Corey Club. In addition to being part of the community on Facebook, please don't forget to visit our website at www.coffeewithkenobi.com for Star Wars news, announcements, reviews, live video, and so much more. If you have a question for me or just want to share your thoughts on the air, feel free to email me at danz at coffeewithkenobi.com and I'll share them on the show. You can also connect with me on Twitter at Mr. Zare, M-R-Z-E-H-R. There are also a lot of ways to connect with me and Coffee with Kenobi on social media. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Give us a like on Facebook at facebook.com slash coffeewithkenobi and check us out on Pinterest. You can find me twice a month on the podcast Looking at Lucasfilm, part of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network, and you can find my writing on CWK's website as well as starwars.com where I'm an official blogger there as well as on IGN where I contribute articles on Star Wars as well as other pop culture topics. And if you're considering starting a podcast or a blog, let me know how I can help you get started and help you make your creative vision a reality. Be sure to check out danzymedia.com and we can get the process started. I am also available to come to your school, conference, business, or organization to talk about how to tap into your strengths and help you bring out your very best. I want to inspire you to be inspired. Don't be afraid to take that first step into a larger world. Thanks, as always, to our CWK sponsors, especially MEI and Mouse Fan Travel, our travel partner and your one-stop shop for all things Walt Disney World, Disneyland, the Disney Cruise Lines, or anywhere you want to go on the planet. Please go to www.coffeewithkenobi.com slash mousefantravel to book your magical vacation and help support Coffee with Kenobi in the process. If you like this show, please tweet out that you're listening share it on Facebook, or invite your friends and family to tune in and share a cup of coffee with us. And if the Force is especially with you, please take a couple of minutes to rate and review the show on iTunes or Google Podcasts. Every review makes a huge difference and helps to spread the word. Go to iTunes and search Coffee with Kenobi and you'll see the show there. My circle of friends has grown so much because of each and every one of you, and it means so much to me that we have such a wonderful Star Wars community. Scott, you mentioned your your brand new podcast, which I'm uh, going to get to be a guest on very, very soon, which I'm really looking forward to. Let everybody know about what you've got going on and where everybody can find you if they want to ask you a question or just say hello. Uh, well, I'm on Twitter at Mr. Scott Murray. Um, the new show is called For the Nerd, and uh, the website is ftnshow.com. Uh, the very first episode is about the Back to the Future trilogy. Um, Chris Clues, who is a 80s nerd like I am, but also travels the country teaching companies how to infuse 80s themes into their workplace, uh, is joining me in, in that um, conversation. And also Burton Gilliam from uh, Back to the Future 3 is also joining that discussion um, towards the end, which was really, really fun. Um, yeah, Dan will be on. We're going to be talking about on the July 21st show um, how much influence fans should have on movies and television shows and we'll be also discussing um some exclusives on that show like i mentioned for uh san diego virtual san diego comic-con um 
I'm still doing Comic Book Noob. That's going on about five or six years strong. Uh, and that's Such a, a great show. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's at comicbooknoob.com. Uh, we just take one character or one book, give you the basic information, tell you where to go read. And if I could use a line from Monty Python, um, and now for something completely different, I also have an audio skit show <laughs> that's found at that's found at wackypodmachine.com. And Tom, what about you, my friend? Oh, sure. You can uh, find me on Twitter at draftline, D-R-A-F-T-L-I-N-E. And uh, hey, you can reach out to me uh, through longer text if you if you choose. Um, send me an email, tomg at coffeewithkenobi.com. Thank you again to both Scott and Tom for being on the show. Next week, our 351st show, we have a very special guest that I'm excited to have on. This individual has never been on Coffee with Kenobi, but is a prominent member of the Stars community, and it's going to be a great conversation. So look forward to that. Be sure to tune in Monday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time to talk about your top five favorite costumes from the world of Star Wars. Look at Chapter 8 of the Rise of Skywalker novelization and talk about the latest Star Wars news. Have a great week and weekend, everybody. And remember, this is the podcast you're looking for. This podcast is not endorsed by the Walt Disney Company or Lucasfilm Limited. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com. Star Wars, all names, sounds, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Disney and their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of Coffee with Kenobi unless otherwise indicated. This is the podcast you're looking for. There's no one here. Lately, our homes have experienced more of us. More dishes, more flushes, and more shower time concerts. After 50 years of encores, Mr. Rooter Plumbing Service professionals are equipped to handle anything. We're your neighbor you can call anytime, and we'll be there because we've been here all along. Mr. Rooter Plumbing, a neighborly company. Visit MrRooter.com today. A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online so any small business can drive change or build an empire. We need a new generation of thinking, your way of thinking. Start different at GoDaddy.com.